Hey everyone, this is John Alba from The Extreme Life of Mad Hardy. Now, every single week on the podcast, you get to hear me and my buddy Mad Hardy talk all about the great wrestling stories from his career. And if you notice at the beginning of the podcast, we like to talk about the current happenings in the wrestling world. Well, that's not the only time all week long I get to do that. In fact, I've got a website I want to tell you all about. That is WrestlingAccordingToAlba.com. This is your chance to interact with me one-on-one every single week, multiple times, whether it's Ask Alba Q&As, tape studies where we break down famous wrestling matches, move for move, preview and review shows of WWE and AEW pay-per-views, and much, much more. If you like my takes on wrestling, or even if you don't, and you just want to talk about them in person with me, one-on-one, this is your opportunity to do so and join a great community of wrestling fans. Go to WrestlingAccordingToAlba.com now and join for as low as $4.99 a month. That's $4.99 a month cheaper than your cup of coffee at Starbucks. And join me for some great wrestling conversation about all the fantastic matches that we are seeing week in and week out with some of the best talent in the world. That's WrestlingAccordingToAlba.com. Words are about to be spoken here on the Extreme Life of Mad Hardy, presented to you exclusively by AdFreeShows.com and the Podcast Heat Network. I'm John Alba, joined as I am, as always, by the broken one, woken one, spoken one himself, via satellite on the West Coast, (laughs) Mad Hardy. How are you, my friend? Uh, That via satellite trope, unfortunately, now that we're in like 2023, you don't really see via satellite anymore, huh? Uh, yeah, this is via satellite. The satellite's actually on the Golden Gate Bridge right down the road here. So we're we're uh, we're projecting off of that, and that's where the signal is originating from. That was always one of my favorite tropes. I'm not going to lie. I was a sucker for the via satellite. Uh, even though you knew that they were in the same building, probably in rooms right next to each other, uh, <laughs> the, the, the live via satellite always popped me. Uh I, I don't know. Just that's like an old 90s, 2000s wrestling trope. How are you, my friend? Long travel out to uh, the West Coast there for you? Yeah, you know, uh, I was very fortunate to have a direct flight, which I think oh. that'll become relevant in just a few more minutes here once we get to our match back. Uh, I was very fortunate to have a direct flight, uh, six hours and change from Raleigh to, to San Francisco. And then, uh, you know, the San Francisco airport is a monster anyway, just getting in and trying to get to the rental car stuff and getting your car and getting the hotel. It's a big process. So, Got in late, and of course we're on West Coast time. Uh, uh, getting calls early in the morning from the family, and then like I'm programmed to, to wake up at eight o'clock in the morning, eight eight thirty every morning as it is anyway. So you know, at six a.m. I was like, <laughs> up and awake just like this. But it's all good, man. It's a it's a big night. We got a big match at Dynamite tonight. Matt Hardy goes Hook. Uh, you know, I, it's got some stipulations on it too. Now, you know, if if Hook happens to win this match. He's going to get a match with Stokely Hathaway, who's like, you know, one of my favorite people in the world, you know, and he's going to have a match with Stokely Hathaway that would be no DQ and we're banned from ringside. That would be wild. But there's no way I'm going to allow that to happen. I can say that right. Yeah, I mean, by the time people listen to this, they'll know the outcome of that. But 
I just thought that was very odd of all ego Ethan Page to just be so quick on his feet to accept all these stipulations on your behalf. But I guess that shows his confidence in you. Yeah, it, it does. I mean, and like once again, you know, we're we're just on the same page. Yeah. And we're, uh, we're 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 just it's all groovy, baby. We're on the same page, and and we're having a good time. And uh, yeah, it's 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 gonna work out uh, tonight on Dynamite. You'll see the match by the time it's airs, obviously. But you know, Matt Hardy is gonna do what Matt Hardy does. He makes things work. Now, hypothetically speaking, strictly hypothetically speaking, yes. If you were to lose to Hook, because Hook has not lost to anybody yet, and right. if you were to lose to Hook, um. I mean, have you taken like liability insurance on Stokely or anything like that? There's got to be some sort of protection clause here. Uh, no. Why, why would I do that? I'm, just, know, I'm, very, I'm, I'm very confident in my own abilities, yeah. you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, Stokely, once again, man, is the uh, iconic Booker T said, you know, regardless of what happens, I mean, he's not going to have a match, but it couldn't happen to a better guy. Mm. Yeah, I'm more worried that Hook's going to make him look like a flying Melinda at the end of that. Uh, yeah, yeah. If, you're right. Should that you're come right. uh, Let me ask you about Hook, actually. Hook, he, he's really captured a lot of fans' attention. He's got a great presence about him, got a good look. Obviously, Taz's son. Is that one of those circumstances where you've described on the podcast before, like you still see the Usos as little kids when you visualize them? Do you see Hook as a little kid? I don't know if he was ever around during Taz's wwe days with you yeah I, I i don't remember meeting hook i don't i don't know if he came around a lot or if Taz brought him around but i i, I don't have a very fond memory of him but i mean he got he just he is a kid <laughs> you know he still is such a kid in, in so many ways but it, it it is weird there's there's times where i think about the usos and they're small uh specifically i think about the guns because i remember seeing them quite a bit and also uh tnt devon's kids who you know they and uh dominic mysterio uh, i i just saw a picture that Someone had posted, and I think it was from 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 Dominic's account as well, a picture of him with myself and Jeff, you know, when he was a young kid or whatever. I think that's going to go up on my Fan Friday this week. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I happened happen to grab that and snatch that down. And and that was cool because I do I, – I remember him sitting ringside at Anaheim when me and his dad went in the, went in the ring and, and rocked the house for the Cruiserweight title, uh, you know, in Anaheim, California. And uh, it was the first time the Cruiserweight title was featured in a main event of uh, one of the major shows. So that, that was a, a real cool deal. And Ray Mysterio, one of my favorite opponents of all time, I wouldn't want to do it with anybody else. But but my vision of Dom and his sister is there on that evening, sitting there with Ray's wife, cheering on their dad, you know, as I wrestled him as Matt Hardy V1. What do you think of Hook's potential? I, I mean, I, I, he's definitely got potential. I mean, if you have a young guy that comes out and and they capture the audience's imagination and and they're invested in them i mean there's always something there and he he's very good at playing the role he's playing right now and uh i i think tonight will be interesting because i am probably the most high profile name he's worked with maybe it's a little more of a competitive match you know and uh we'll see we'll see how everything goes at at, at the end of the day you know i'm kind of you know making this up as we go just like we did the stipulations the other day but uh it's going to be a lot of fun I'm, i'm looking forward to it for sure well, just in case, I hope Tony Khan offers Workman's Comp as part of the benefits package with AEW because uh phew, hasn't gone too well for some of his opponents. I'm rooting for you. Don't get me wrong. I'm rooting for you. I just, I'm a little concerned. I'm a little concerned. Mama and I were texting last night. I just, we're, we're a little worried about you, but you seem confident. So 
I'm, uh, I'm very confident. Yeah, I'm, I'm very confident. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, AW Revolution this week, big time pay per view, huge main event, Iron Man match, sixty minutes, MJF versus Brian Danielson. Any expectations for this pay per view? What's uh, what's on the forefront of your mind as we go into this? quarterly extravaganza that AEW likes to have yes this quarterly extravaganza known as revolution it should should be a very good solid show you know there, there's a there's a lot of matches on it and AEW has proven uh pretty strongly that they deliver on pay-per-view so i uh, i wouldn't expect this one to be any different yeah a lot of people I'll, I'll see on social media they'll say oh the build to this like i think it was the last one it was the card was put together pretty quickly in terms of the announcements. This one, a lot of the matches were announced ahead of time, but I always give AW the benefit of the doubt with pay-per-views because every pay-per-view is always going to deliver. Yeah. And, and when you have a main event that is guaranteed to go an hour long between MJF and Brian Danielson, I mean, hypothetically, if, if Max walks away the winner here, having slayed the dragon, uh, what does that do for his street cred? Uh, it, it ups the street cred. I mean, it continues to build him and continues to to move him up another level. And I mean, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for a champion that has credibility. And you know, once again, we want to invest more equity into MJF. So, uh, yeah, that it's it's going to be interesting the the outcome of their match. And and once again, that's a that's a match that is tailor made for you. You were talking about texting with Mama. She 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 she, she would rather cut her hand off than watch a uh, wrestling match now. Long. She she would openly tell you that. You know what it is for me though, Matt. Like. A lot of people look at MJF as an entertainer, right? That's how I think he's viewed in the prison by a lot of people. But I think you'll attest to this. And I'm curious what your opinion is. I think Max is an outstanding pro wrestler. Like, I think he can go with the best of anybody. And it's because he wrestles so few times on TV that people don't maybe make that association. But I think he's one of the best pro wrestlers the company has in, in between the ropes there. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he is. And he's very smart. He kind of keeps that on the DL as much as he possibly can. He doesn't want to – he'll brag in his character, obviously, but he really doesn't want people to focus on how good of a wrestler he is. He wants them to focus on how big of a piece of shit he is, which is smart. You know, he's a heel who goes out there and, and tries to be a heel and, and, and tries to get booed and, and, and does the right thing. You know, and, and people respect him and they like him for that, especially people that are more in the know, fans that are more in the know, that understand how things go. They have a great respect for him. And that's why there was that big issue. You know, he could have been a baby face. You know, he, he could have been a hill, whatever, whatever it may be. He could have gone a couple different directions there. And it was it was a, kind of a tough decision to make at the end of the day, I think. You know, but I, I think at the end of the day, he's the best as a hill. He's the best as a bad guy because he is not afraid to, you know, accept his ability to be an asshole. He's relinquished his fear of being an asshole and, and he'll go out and he'll, he'll talk shit and, and he'll jump on people and, and he'll say things that are controversial that'll get people started up and talking. You know, he, he's good at that. And that's very important because we've lost so many true hills in this day and age. Too many people are worried about looking cool. They're worried about what the internet or what social media or Reddit, whatever. I don't even know what this Reddit is, uh, what, 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 what they're going to say about them. You know, it's just, it, it's just people get too caught up on that. Like, if you're a hill at the end of the day, people don't need to think you're cool. They don't need to yeah. think you're good. They they need to see they they need to see someone that they want their hero to go out and whip their ass. That's what they need to see from a hill. Yeah, uh, 100%, man. I think you got that dynamic down perfectly there. That all going down on the West Coast. As you said, AW at the, the Cow Palace tonight. Iconic pro wrestling venue is the Cow Palace. That's where Eddie beat Brock for the title 
of course. And uh, that's one of my favorite memories out there. Any West Coast wrestling memories for you from the San Francisco area? Uh, yeah, I remember the first time uh, I was very excited to wrestle in the Cow Palace because I heard about all these great stories. I heard a lot of Pat Patterson stories being out here in this territory, you know, that he shared about being in the Cow Palace and all these iconic matches and great memories. Then I remember going to the Cow Palace and I was like, uh, <laughs> this place isn't like this top line venue that yeah. you would expect. You know, it's uh, it, it's it's a little different when it comes to that. It's a very old venue and that uh, that shines through when you're there. Part of the charm, if you will. Part of the of charm, if you will. The Cow Palace. Uh, yeah, man. Well, uh, it should be a great pay-per-view week for AEW out there. Very much looking forward to Revolution. Go check out Revolution this weekend. If you have not pre-ordered already, it's going to be available on Bleacher Report and Fight, our friends over at Fight as well. And if you're an ad-free show subscriber, you're getting this podcast early access Thursday night, March yeah. 2nd, 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Six o'clock West Coast time, which is perfect for you. Perfect. Uh, we're going to be watching you and I, I mean, pronouns, pal. We're going to be watching TLC two live and interactive with our ad free show subscribers. Twenty nine dollar tiers and up are going to get access to this premium live event where Matt Hardy, you and I are going to watch TLC two together for the first time. Uh, what can people look forward to with that if they're an ad free show subscriber? Uh, this is this is going to be a lot of fun. This is my favorite TLC of all, all of the TLC matches. And uh, this, this is the one I thought was the best. And it was a very special night for us. It was in this huge Astrodome building. It was one of the biggest biggest audiences we'd performed in front of at, at that time. Uh, and it really was an iconic match. And that was an iconic pay-per-view overall altogether. But like that, that TLC match is something that we will all be proud of, you know, to the day we die. All six competitors that were in there. And I got to give, you know, big shouts and props to, you know, myself, my brother, uh, Bubba Ray Dudley, Bully Ray, Devon Dudley, Edge, Adam Copeland, Christian, the CLP, Christian Cage. Uh, props to everyone. Everyone busted their ass and we worked so hard that night and we really created something magical on that evening. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And considering I get to watch it back with you, John, then uh, high five. It's just like uh, myself and uh, posting that picture of my sons, uh, Wolfie and Maxwell this morning. You know, good afternoon. Big high five. Oh, have a good day, guys. I like it. I'll tell you, it was really special for me because, I mean, I, I think I told you this when I even pitched this podcast to you. TLC2 is probably a top five favorite match of all time for me. And it's one of those matches that I could like recite back to you right now, almost move for move as to how it happened. So to get a chance to watch that with you, a guy that, I, you know, I grew up just this match was so important to me in my wrestling fandom. So getting a chance to watch it live with you is going to be awesome. Get early access to that at freeshows.com. And uh, we're going to be doing a long form episode on that match coming up in the next few months. I think next month we're doing a long form version of that. So make sure you're subscribed to extremehardy.com. Leave those five single, five single, five star reviews. Last week we talked about Booker T. Booker T. Fun looking back at his career. Any other notes you'd like to add now that you've had a few days to digest it? Uh, a lot of fun, for sure. Uh, and these uh, these Book of Tea fans, they're everywhere! You know, they truly are. Same with the sheets, taking stuff out of context. Guys, I'm asking you, this is me asking you genuinely as a favor. Matt and I so appreciate, genuinely, your support of this podcast by aggregating articles and covering the highlights of it. We love it. Matt's very friendly with the sheets and, and we, we appreciate the coverage, but if you're going to appropriate quotes from the podcast, 
please add the necessary context, number one. And number two, link to the correct episode. <laughs> because then if you're not linking to the correct episode, you're telling us you didn't actually even listen to or watch the podcast. You and most it. importantly, most importantly, actually listen to the conversation we have and the words we're saying. Just don't take someone else's don't take someone else's word for it. Actually listen yes. to our conversation, our discussion, our discourse. It doesn't take that much time to transcribe words yourself rather than lifting them from somebody else. It's very easy to listen to something and transcribe words just because, you know, sometimes, for example, we did an ad free shows exclusive Ask Matt Anything. And Matt was asked what advice, if he could offer any advice uh, to Tony Khan about storytelling or booking for AEW that he'd offer. It was a strictly hypothetical thing that he was asked matt talked about how much he loved working for aw and he said to answer the question if i had to offer one thing this is what i would offer instead we got people linking to the booker t podcast claiming it came from that and leaving out all the other necessary context i'm just asking you guys please be a little better than that we are very fortunate that we have some great wrestling media out there right now who who share stuff and attribute it accurately and we are so thankful for those but please hold yourself to that higher standard, guys. It's it's not a hard thing to do. Uh, and yeah, I mean, and, and and I feel like if you do read some sort of headline that, that captures your imagination and you you want to check it out, like go go listen to the podcast. Yeah. Whatever podcast we're talking about, go go listen to it. I mean, and then then you know, report it accurately and and, and use quotes, like say the specific words we said as opposed to like you know, shifting it into something else that you think it sounds like a better headline. I mean, the, the cherry on top. Once again, the cherry on top is actually watching and listening to our podcast and reporting very literally. And this happens on on all the podcasts. And, and it, it bothers me because here we have these legends of the industry, people like yourself, Jake the Snake Roberts, you know, uh, Jim Ross, Eric Bischoff, who are offering these great words of wisdom to people uh, essentially for free. You can listen for free if you'd like to. And taking those words out of context damages all those things. And I just, I encourage people to try and be their best in terms of providing context when reporting and aggregating quotes. I think it's just so important. It's not a big, heavy thing to ask. We would very much appreciate it. And we do appreciate the coverage that this podcast gets uh, alongside all the other ad-free shows and podcasts. Heat podcasts, I, I promise you, we do appreciate it. So just wanted to put that out there. Otherwise... We learn that the FIs are everywhere, and that's 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 no bueno, Matt Hardy. <laughs> oh, all right, there you have it. We have a pretty significant episode to get into today. We haven't advertised this. We haven't talked about much of this ahead of time. Even this is going to be. I mean, pretty... this this is this is us more more or less calling it in the ring, John. We are calling it in the ring. Exactly. I'll see you out there, brother. I'll call it out there. Just listen to me. Are you taking the lead? I'll take the lead. Of okay. course, I'm the, I'm the vet. I'll be the heel. You're taking Give the me the heat. I was going to say, I'll take all the heat. It's fine. Um, but uh, we're going to have a conversation about Jeff Hardy today. That's going to be our podcast. I don't know where it's going to go. Normally, I do pages and pages of notes for these podcasts. I've got none for today. Uh, there were some relevant events that happened in the past week that we'll hit on for the first time ever in full on this podcast. The last time we really addressed anything that happened with Jeff was our mental health and addiction episode that I highly encourage you all to go back and listen to uh, in the archives, extremehardy.com. We're going to talk about that all. Uh, I want to say this up front before we even tee up your mat fact or any of that. Uh, this is not an episode being done to make excuses for anybody. Uh, that is not the purpose of this. It is not to mediate somebody. 
Uh, we're just going to have a very honest conversation, and I'm going to ask some critical questions of Matt. Matt's going to provide context about their childhood growing up in Cameron, North Carolina. And I don't really know what we're going to get out of it, but I think it's going to be a productive conversation and hopefully allow for everyone, including myself, to have some more understanding on someone who is this polarizing, charismatic enigma. And uh, what are you hoping people take away from this episode, Matt? Uh, I mean, I just I just hope they, they listen. You know, I'm just going to uh, whatever you ask me, I'm going to answer honestly and, uh, you know, be as transparent as possible. And uh, I, I just. I'm very proud of my brother. He's been through a lot. I mean, he's been through a lot over the course of the last 20 years. Uh, you know, so so we're just going to kind of touch on that and 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 talk about how I feel like he got at this point and and the point I think he can eventually get to now and and why I have such high hopes for him going forward. I choose to take the path of positivity, and it's something that you've been very influential on me for trying to be a little more positive about certain things in life so i'm excited for this conversation but let's start the podcast on a positive note as we do every single week matt hardy please hit us with your matt fact matt fact matt now dreads connecting flights just now you dread connecting flights it took this long for you to dread them no, I, I have been for a while. This is uh, post-pandemic. Back in the day, not so much, you know, but but especially uh, pandemic and post-pandemic. That's why I said that, that uh, I had a direct flight from Raleigh to San Fran. RDU to uh, to San Fran was uh, was a big deal, very important. Just, man, uh, just people, are they're so short-staffed. Things are so different. There's still such a lack of workforce today, you know, a connecting flight. Uh, probably 50 to 60% of the, a very honest number, 50 to 60% of the time is going to be delayed, canceled, or some sort of issue. It's going to be problematic in some way. So it's like, you know, it's, it's a 50, 50 chance that you make it, or you are going to be late or you don't make it. <laughs> and I, I've had a lot of those experiences over the last year or so. And one thing I, I don't do, uh, and, and this is just me. I know there's been times where I've talked to you and I've had like a flight canceled or, it's been delayed and they have to get another hour flight, whatever. Just like get online and bitch about it. Like what, what is that doing for anybody? Like, I don't want to put more negativity in the world. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's life, like reality, like fuck, be a man and deal with it. That That's how, that's how that, that's how that goes to me. I mean, you know, life's not perfect. I'm very lucky to, to get to do this deal that I do where I get to fly over and I still, you know, live my dream that I've had for, you know, 31 years or whatever, you know? So like, dude, things happen, shit happens in life and you just have to like suck it up and deal with it like a, like a man. When I tweet about my travel woes, it's very much in a self-deprecating way because I just I have to laugh at it at this point. Like I, I genuinely find entertainment in it and it's not meant to come off mean spirited. Uh, I, I was bargaining with the United on Twitter, bargaining for miles at one point just to try to see. I said 100,000 miles, take it or leave it. We'll see if they'd give it to me. They did not give it to me. Uh, you might have nice little... when you get something out of it when you have to when you have to uh, sacrifice all that time and effort. It, it's nice if you get a little something out of it. Yes, absolutely. I feel you, brother. I hate connecting flights too. And you coming from Raleigh, I'm sure there's not a ton of connecting to West Coast. So I'm glad you got one. Uh, that's that's great. Direct. You, you mean direct? I guess. Or I'm sorry, direct. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. I'm sure there are plenty of connecting going to the West. Oh, yeah, there, there's plenty. <laughs> More than enough. You get three, four connections if you'd like to. <laughs> You've done so much West Coast traveling lately, too. That's crazy. So I'm glad you were able to get a, a, a straight 
flight there. That's good. Hope it's a great week out there. Let's take a quick pause here, Matt Hardy, and thank our friends over at Athletic Greens for sponsoring the extreme life of Matt Hardy, especially with AG1. AG1 is Matt Hardy's favorite. With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. It's a special blend of ingredients supporting your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all of those things. Because it's lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. And I'm all about that because I've been trying to drop like 15 pounds for this new year, and AG1 is the first step in making that possible. Because tons of people, they take different supplements, different vitamins, fat burners, whatever it may be. It's important to choose one, though with high-quality ingredients that your body's actually going to absorb. And AG1 is a small microhabit with big-time benefits, one thing that you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. And it's time to finally reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop and a cup of water every single day, and that's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health to make it easy. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, and five Cinco, five Cinco, five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash hardy. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash hardy to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hey, guys. Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Need to call a timeout real quick here. I wanted to tell your listeners what I've been telling my world listeners for a while now. It's about all the incredible things happening over on adfreeshows.com. The debut of our new Monday Mailbag series is here with a man we love to hate, longtime WCW and WWE referee Nick Patrick. But they didn't know who was going to be the heel out because of Earl that the Montreal screwed job on there. I said, I guarantee I promise you, I will be the heel. And if they were going to hate me far worse than him, watch this. And that, and then I went, how did that happen? And they, they said, you're right. <laughs> 34 years ago, Jim Ross was on the call for the first match in the classic Flair Steamboat Trilogy at Chi-Town Rumble. And now he's watching it back on a bonus watch-along edition of Grilling JR. As far as a match is concerned, Nobody's going to have a better match in 1989 than you just witnessed. So many people, uh, you know, this is what got them hooked on wrestling for life, this match. And Ad Free Shows members sat shotgun alongside Impact star Frankie Kazarian and Eric Bischoff as the pair reflected on their time together in TNA and answered member questions live. I did as good of a job as I could to substitute for Kurt Angle. There's no fill in those shoes, but I did the best I could. Um, I thought we had a great match, and I uh, subsequently tore my tricep <laughs> in that match. So uh, it was it was a roller coaster of emotions of a day, man. But it was it was cool to be put uh, in that position. Like, hey, well, you know, uh, we're throwing you into the main event. It's basically sink or swim. And uh, I think I carried my weight, and it was it was a real real fun experience, man. What I haven't really talked about a whole lot. Hey, that's just a small taste of what AdFree Shows has waiting for you, including a brand new perk, getting to join in on the live recordings of the shows with four levels to choose from. See for yourself why AdFree Shows is the best value in wrestling today. 
Sign up now at adfreeshows.com. That's right. Sign up today at adfreeshows.com. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Let's get into the conversation at hand. So I guess we'll start with the current events with what happened last week where we learned um, the outcome of your brother, Jeff Hardy's court case. And essentially he's, this is to summarize it in layman's terms for everybody. Uh, He was given time served for what would have been jail time. Uh, He was sentenced to a lot of community service, paid a hefty fine. He's lost his driver's license for 10 years and there's probation involved. This is on the heels of the arrest last year where, uh, you know, he was taken in for another DUI. Um, thankfully, nobody was injured, including himself. Nobody was injured. Uh, and it was a lengthy court case process. But uh, we haven't really heard anything publicly about what your brother was up to during that time in between. Um, again, this court case closing mentioned that there was time served. So what kind of context as it result as it relates to the incident itself would you like to provide people publicly here if you can say because last time we talked about it because of the nature of the legal system we couldn't really go into any details. Yeah, I think it was 38 38 days, is that right? Yeah, 38 38 days of jail whatever. Uh I mean he, the the first thing Jeff did whenever he got the opportunity he traveled to Florida and he stayed 90 days and did a, like an extensive rehabilitation stint. Um, really, really intense work on himself. And then even after that ended those, those 90 days, uh, he was doing outpatient where he was going every week. So, I mean, he, I mean, he probably did 170 days, I would say altogether when it was said and done of, of treatment on himself, like being there and trying to rehabilitate himself and like get to the bottom of this. Why do you have issues? What are, what what causes these? How can we correct this? How can how can we change this? And I mean, it's it's just one of those things. My brother, obviously, people who know him for many years, he has had so many addiction problems through the years, but he's never like been this specific and never in detail tried to work through it so much. Never never tried to work through it so much in detail. You know, like really committed himself to this. You know, there was a point where he was with WWE, and when he first got arrested for, for these issues. And he did go to rehab. It was for like 30 days or something. And, and he, and he did that and it was a stint and that helped him out a lot, but it was also at a very bad time in his life because our, our dad was like sick and literally like on his deathbed, you know? So it was, I I think it was hard for Jeff to really focus like he should have then. And, and to me now the biggest difference is he has had closure in, in our dad's death and that is done. And we were there when, when he passed away, when he took his last breath, which we're so happy we were, but now he just had time to just focus and worry about Jeff Hardy. And and wh- what do I need to do to, to make Jeff Hardy better? What do I need to do to correct this, to, to, to be better for my family, to be better for my daughters. And, and he spent all his time and energy on that. And, and, and that that's where I can see the biggest difference in my brother. 
I want to just the, the, during the course of this conversation, it's going to be a lot of me kind of yeah pushing back in a sense of just to provide some outside perspective here. You know, th- there are going to be a lot of people who will hear something like that and, and be encouraged by that, but also say, well, Matt, you know, this is something that we've seen time and time again. You know, this is not the first rodeo with, with someone like Jeff. So why should we believe that this time is different? Uh, and- of course they will. And, and, and that's absolutely understandable. And, and I don't blame them. I probably would, too, if I was a, a skeptic on the outside looking in. But, you know, fortunately, I'm on the I'm on the end, you know, and, and, and I've seen him. And, and the reason I say I feel like it will be different this time is because he just went into it with like a, a different mentality. And he he's never been this scared before. You know, he, he, he was, you know, there, there was uh, a, a lot of talk where they wanted him to go to prison for months, you know, and, and, and do this, you know, and they ended up working into this deal where it was the, the 38 days is, you know, what he ended up being sentenced, sentenced with. And uh, I, I think one of the biggest things you're going to see about Jeff Hardy going forward is how he wants to share this story and try and help other people now. And I, I just, that's something he's been very adamant in already. I, I mean, he has been so motivated. For instance, I shared this with you, John, and shared it publicly. Uh, there was one of our friends that we've known that I went to high school with that uh, wrestled with us back in the day. And he was having all these problems with alcoholism and, and drinking. And he, he'd been drinking so bad for uh, the last three, four years. I mean, they, they thought he was at the point where he might need a liver transplant. Wow. And my brother, Jeff, along with Marty Garner, you guys probably know him as first name Sham, last name Payne. Uh, and with Shannon Moore on the phone, went and did an intervention. And and Jeff was that, – that was very important for him to do that. And then Jeff flew with him down to the establishment that he was in, you know, so so that he could get help for himself. And uh, it turned out once he got there, uh, his liver started repairing itself. I mean, and this was only a month ago, six weeks ago maybe, uh, that, that, that Jeff did this. You know, so he he's taken a lot of pride in, like, trying to turn his life around and, and be a different person. And, you know, you look through the past and, and once again, myself and Jeff, we were two kids who our mother was the emotional one. Our, our dad was just the provider, you know, which probably makes me a lot more emotional towards my kids because I, I didn't get that from my dad. I didn't get the, I love you's and I didn't get the kisses and, and the hugs over and over. He just, our, our dad just would wake up at sunrise, work all day till sundown, he would make sure that we had clothes. He would make sure that we had a roof over our head and he would make sure that we had food to eat. You know, we, we were, we were poor. We didn't have a lot, but he would make sure to have those things. He was a provider, but he was not the, I love you type of guy. Mm-hmm. He was not an emotional type of guy. Our, our mom was. And, and for that, we were obviously very bonded to our mother because kids need that kids, kids need that love and they need that affection and they need to feel like they're, you know, they're, not only are they loved, but they're they're wanted and, and they're needed. It's 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 something very important to really surround your your kids with all this love, all this positivity. I, I feel I feel, and um, you know when we lost our mom early, which she had a, a battle with cancer, which was very rough. And once again, we were very lucky that we got to spend as much time as we could with her during that time. And and I'll never forget on that day myself. Jeff and my dad, we were there at her bed when she took her last breath too. You know, Jeff and I were there when our mom took her last breath. We were there when our dad took his last breath, which is sounds crazy, but it's it's I'm so I'm so glad we were. You know, it that 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 means a lot to me that we were there at that that last moment, that that last stage of life. And uh, you know, after after our mom died, that that was something that Jeff really struggled with. I mean, he was 
very, very young. And in her honor, kind of like to celebrate her, you know, Jeff and I, we didn't, we'd kind of promised ourselves, well, we're not going to drink. We're not going to smoke. We're not going to do drugs. We didn't even, we didn't curse at that point, you know, and that's just how we were. And that was like in honor of, of our mother. And uh, all throughout high school, I'll, I'll never forget. There was one time where I was a little older. Once I got licensed, I actually stopped by this party and I was like, all my friends that were like drinking these beers and they were smoking cigarettes. And I was like, Whoa, I was like blown away by, it, you know, and, and that, that was something that we never partook in. We didn't do any of that. And, and I still have this theory. One of the reasons we have lasted as long as we have done in this wrestling business, even we've both put our bodies through a lot. And then even people know our history, you know, like uh, with, with different substances and whatnot. I feel like because we were, 20, 24, 22, before we ever did anything, I feel like all of our organs were fully developed and, and they were never tarnished at all, which I feel like is a miracle for us and, and did a very, had a very positive effect on us in the long term, in general, you know, as far as staying healthy for the, for the long run, for the long haul. But like, you know, it wasn't until we got into wrestling and like once we split and we were doing different things, that's just where kind of Jeff fell in with a crowd that were doing different things. And, and the very first time he started, you know, experimenting with things. It was it was the the hard stuff, the worst stuff you could. And that obviously led to his first release in 2003. And then I was terrified for him. You know, I, I'd said this before. I think I'd said on the podcast, there were times where I even said like, dude, like I, I, I'll send you, you know, to, to rehab. I'll send you treatment if you'd be willing to go, whatever. And uh, he ended up doing stuff at TNA and, and legitimately on his own, he was able to get himself clean and, and get off all that stuff. He came back to WWE once again, had a clean slate. And this is why people think this about Jeff, because they've seen the cycle happen so many times. He starts wrestling. Uh, <clears throat> everyone knows he wrestles a very extreme style. I mean, it's more than just a gimmick. I mean, he really does and beats his body up. And then there were times where, you know, much like me too, later on when I, I got beat up and they just said, oh, well, how about go to the doctor, see what they can do for your back, do this, do that. And, you know, they go, oh, hey, we can give you this muscle reliever. We can give you this, this pain medication, whatever. You know, that's kind of what happened with Jeff there at, at, in the beginning. And then that became like an abusive thing, especially with, you know, all the pressure from work on top of the, the physical pain and the restless leg syndrome he was having at that time, whatever. And, you know, he didn't want to stop doing swanton bombs and whispering the winds. I mean, that's he takes a lot of pride in, in that. He feels like he owes that to the audience. He especially did at that time. You know, and that's when he went through that period, which ultimately ended up getting him in trouble. And he goes to the TNA. There's the Victory Road incident with Sting. And, and that was like. The, the final point when it came to pills, he would never touch a pill again. And he, and he hasn't, he never did. And then like once drinking came along and that became like his main vice, it, it's the worst. Alcohol is the worst. The reason it's the worst is you can get it anywhere at like literally any time. And if you have an addictive personality, it, it's the worst, you know, and, and that's where that started. And that's where those, those problems started happening there. And obviously it, it continued to grow and build and build and build. And then it led to what we have with him right now. You know, this last time, I feel like alcohol, alcohol was harder than anything else for him to kick. You know, and there was times when he first came to AEW. I mean, there, he'd go like weeks without doing anything. But like once he would get that little, get a little started, it would quickly turn to an avalanche. You know, and that, that's just kind of how he is. That's kind of how his personality is. And I, I think he understands that now more. And, and just the fact that he had so much on the line and like legitimately this could have cost him a large chunk of his life, you know, uh, 
he had he was trying to do the work and treatment. He had legal people that were trying to help him out as much as he possibly could. And, you know, at the end of the day, he's like not someone who's done violent, bad things that were like, you know, come from a, a terrible place. You know, he he's someone who had an addiction problem and, and I hate it. And it, it there's there's no way to justify someone being intoxicated and getting behind a wheel and driving now. It's, it's it can't be justified in this day and age. It should never happen. But like the help that he went and got during this time, I have just seen such a different version of him. And it's not one that's like trying to play the game. He's just happy he got out. And it's just he's just changed in in, in so many ways. And and I don't want you to take my word for it here. I just want you to to follow him going forward and, and, and we'll see what happens. I mean, could I be wrong? Of course I could. But this is the this is the most drastically different. I've ever seen my brother. And, I, and I'll say that over the course of decades. I mean, this is going back to like 2003 when he first had issues. There's a lot to dig into there off everything you just said. And, and I want to kind of take that piece by piece, but there's mm -hmm. also a few logistic things that I just want to clear up just so we have it on the record and right. And nobody can take anything out of context or misquoting it. So you said that he, went to the rehabilitation treatment in Florida for 90 days. And then he voluntarily brought himself back over the course of multiple weekends to no, no, weeks, 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 weeks. Okay. So he weeks. Come home on the weekends, weeks. So he came home on the weekends and he would voluntarily put himself back in for additional treatment during the weeks on his own. Yeah, like mo Monday through Friday. Yes. Okay. So he would travel from North Carolina to Florida every week. Yes. Yes. There was a story, actually, you didn't talk about this on the podcast, but I feel like we can probably tell it now, where you genuinely hadn't seen Jeff, and then you ran into him in the airport very briefly, right? Yeah, yeah. It's the first time, first time I'd seen him, and, you know, whenever he was away for treatment all that time, he was just, yeah. just traveling uh, back in, and actually was going going back to Florida. So, so you genuinely hadn't really even seen him, uh, which is pretty crazy when you add all those elements together. So he's voluntarily putting himself on his own volition through that extra treatment. And you mentioned a lot of addictive personality there and addictive personalities can come out in things other than just alcohol, of course, but alcohol is one of the things that people deal with addictive personality issues with. Um, going through rehabilitation and I'm genuinely asking for context here as someone who's never gone through mm -hmm. rehabilitation in an extended stay like this, how much of that, is about confronting that addictive personality as much as it is quitting alcohol. Cause I think when people hear like alcohol rehabilitation, they just think, Oh, you know, you're quitting alcohol, but it, it seems like there's a lot more depth to that. Is there not? I mean, of course. I mean, I, I can say this even going back from, from my issue when I was went through treatment, I mean, they just try and get to the bottom. Like, why, why did you, what, why do you do this? What, what enables you, to want to do this. Is there something deep down this buried that you're trying to hide? Is there something deep down that we can pull out that we can address and talk about and we can kind of close off so that you don't do this again? I mean, and, and there's several people, there, there's several different reasons that different people have desires to like get altered, you know, in, in, in many ways, especially if it's something, an addiction that is probably triggered from events from your past. I mean, there, there's a lot of people out there that like have had, excuse my language, but like fucked up childhoods, yeah. fucked up experiences. 
and 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 they just want to get away from it. You know, they 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 don't want to feel it. They don't they don't want to hurt. They they don't want to be in pain, and that's why that happens a lot. But uh, any issue you have in your life, and and something I learned earlier on when I was going going through my stuff is just like you have to deal with things. You you can't let things harbor within you and and fester. You you have to address them. And, and, and sometimes it's, it's, it's scary to do. It's frightening to address those things, but you have to, you have to like find the strength and the confidence to deal with those things and understand why you do what you do and, and how to change it, how to stop it, because you can't continue that cycle on and on. It's a very self-destructive behavior. Mm -hmm. Now, last year, pretty much a year ago's time, I, I can't believe it's been a year since your brother debuted in AEW in the first place, but you know, we, we had him on the podcast and you had mentioned that at that point, that was the best you had ever seen your brother. You know, he was coming off that WWE release and people had theories about all that kind of stuff. But you were sitting here and you were saying, hey, this is the best I've ever seen him. And then we saw what happened. So mm -hmm. now I hear you saying that again, that this is the best that he's yep. ever been from you. I guess what is it that is the difference between that? Because, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here. There are going to be people who hear you saying the same thing again. And they're going to say, well, that, that's what? a great question, John. And, and you yeah. should have asked that. That's the correct question to ask. And, and he had had time where there were weak spans. He was good, but then he would like have issues. And, and he just, he treated himself. He, he delved into some of the issues and he got control of his addiction issues to a degree but they were still there. They were still lingering. And now just this extended length that he's taken to really explore. Why do I do this? How do I change this? How do I fix this? How do I get away from this force that possesses me and causes me to, to lose control of myself? And, and, and I feel like he's finally now had the time to really do that and do it the right way. You know, and, and 100% committed as opposed to 80% committed or whatever. You know, you, you can't put a percentage on that. It, it's either like, you know, and the thing they say about addicts is like, you know, one day at a time. That's something you'll see Dustin Rhodes say over and over again. There's so many guys that will say that. And, and it really is. You just like take it one day at a time because it's really easy to become overwhelmed. And I say that in, in general about stress. If you ever like, if I have like a long ass week with a whole bunch of shit going on, like I, I like just say, okay. I'm going to stop. I'm going to do it one day at a time. And I tell people this all the time. They're saying, oh, my God, I want to do this. I want to book you three weeks from now, four weeks from now. I said, I just get back with me in a little bit. I'm just doing these things one day at a time. Not to overload yourself, not to overdo it. And I, and I feel like Jeff had a piece of it, but he didn't have it all. So that, that's that's pretty much how that's pretty much how I would sum that up when it's all said and done. And, and, and I, 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 I feel like I feel like now he's 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 taking the time to like fully understand. And he doesn't have, I feel like the first time he, he went through treatment, he, he he wasn't focused on it because he had focuses elsewhere with being our dad more than anything else, which that was, that, that was emotionally much harder on him than it was on me. And it was hard on me emotionally, yeah. but Jeff is also a very emotional person. Uh, so I, I just feel like this time around, there was just so much on the line and he finally openly committed himself to changing like so changing 180 
were, were you aware of that last year or was that just something that it kind of unfolded over time as he started to get back in the swing of things? It, it, it unfolded over time. Gotcha. That's, that's and, kind of and, what I figured. And, and I'll, I'll even say this too. I, I think one of the, one of the scenarios uh, that, that I hated because like we weren't together, like we were in different rooms just when he was in Vegas. Cause once again, there were fans, there were like, dozens and hundreds of fans down the lobby and they're like oh my god jeff let me get you a drink let me do this you know even when i was walking through there with them and, and i i don't know but that environment at that time wasn't a good environment for him i don't think being stuck there in las vegas where everything is available so quickly and easily and it's twofold in your case because you want to be there for your brother. You want to support him. It's why you're talking about him right now. Like there's gonna be people, why is Matt Hardy talking for Jeff Hardy? Jeff Hardy, didn't, Jeff Hardy didn't contact us to talk for him. This is you choosing to do this on your own. This this is not Jeff asking you, hey, Matt, be my PR. You know, that's that's certainly not what's happening here. You're you want to talk about this stuff because you love and care about your brother, but also you can't be in charge of holding Jeff Hardy's hand through life. Of course not. I mean, no, no one can. The only person that can be responsible for you is you. And at the end of the day, each one of us, like if you start making excuses, if you start trying to blame other people at the, at the end of the day, if we have personal failures in our life, we, we are all a product of our own decisions. And, and that's what it comes down to. I mean, and that's being accountable. That's like accepting accountability for your shit. Like if you, if you get yourself in some shit, just own it, own it. And one of the realities of the situation, Matt, is, there have been other people in life who have been, you know, brought in and tried on similar accusations and charges, and they were sentenced to five years in jail. You know, Jeff is very fortunate in what ended up playing out. And I kind of said this on my social media, this is my personal social media, that I felt like this is an opportunity for him to now prove to the world that he recognizes that this is a very unique opportunity he has to spread positivity and to learn from his messages and his, and the things that he's gone through. I mean, how do you anticipate that he'll try to go about that? I think, and once again, I can't speak for my brother because my brother's my brother, but, but I, I think from everything I've seen from him is that this has been extremely life-changing and eye-opening to him. And I feel like there's going to be part of him that now wants to give back to people that do have addiction lessons and addiction issues. He 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 will try and you know use the lessons he's learned as uh, as, as things that could maybe help other people. I, I think he's going to want to speak to people. I, I think he yeah, I think you're going to see a really different Jeff Hardy in in many ways. I mean you you can't take his essence, you can't take the core of his being out of who he is when it comes to like his, his personality and him being the charismatic enigma. That's that's not going to change. Yeah. But I, I think his motivations for living and, and being are are going to seem very different to you in so many ways. And I think you're going to see someone who like wants to get back and, and make a difference and, and help. I think he wants to be a person that would help the Jeff Hardy from you know a year ago, help the Jeff Hardy from 10 years ago, help the Jeff Hardy from 20 years ago. That's the kind of person I feel like he wants to be in him, yeah. especially with the platform he has. And we haven't even talked about the prospect of 
wrestling again, which you know we'll get in right. towards the end of this. But I saw, I saw too, John. I just want I want to say this. Yeah, Sorry, like some of you said, "Oh my God, Jeff Hardy!" I just smell him coming back in this hook match. Like, dude, like that 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 hasn't been talked about. Will it happen? I mean, maybe. Will it happen? Maybe not. I don't know. But I mean, that that isn't something that has been talked about at all at this point. And it certainly wasn't going to be like his court case gets done, he shows right back up on AEW Dynamite. Uh, you know, that's that's one thing I can guarantee you that isn't going to happen tonight in this match with Hook, as, as so many people said. And it's you know, also like, not important, right? Like, it's not important for yeah. Jeff Hardy to wrestle again. Hopefully he does if under the right circumstances, if he's in the right yeah. place and all that stuff. But if it doesn't happen again, what's more important is that he's in the right state of mind and being a positive citizen and a productive citizen in society. Yeah, and and, and being, being a good... A, a good husband and a good father. I, th I think those are the most important things. Yeah. What, from what you've observed, what has his dynamic been like at home since he's gone through all this stuff? I, I mean, it's just, I, I feel like his family are just, they, they wish they could have had this Jeff for forever. You know, I mean, I, I just, I feel like he's just been totally, totally committed, you know, and, and, it, it just changes, man. Like once you, I, I think if you ever get like in that groove where you're, you know, in the throes of addiction, once you get out of it and, and the fog is lifted, you just look at the world so differently. And and sometimes some of the best people, some of the people that like cherish and, and love life the most are some of the people that were like the worst, you know, the worst addicts and, and whatever their, you know, substance addiction issues were. Sometimes those people were like D Dustin Rhodes is a guy I, I can't take my hat off to enough. You know, someone who went through it, yep. went through it, man, more, more than anybody. And just like the positivity and just the optimism and the motivation and the inspiration that comes from Dustin Rhodes is just just fantastic. And it's, and it's amazing, you know, and it just so, sometimes the, the the most driven, motivated people you'll meet are people who were like, in the lowest of the lows when it comes to the throes of addiction. And, and once they get out of that, it just changes the way they look at life. And, and you take nothing for granted then. I feel like that's, I, I, I'm, I'm like that. I, I take nothing for granted. Every, every day is a gift. Every minute I get to be with my children, every, God, every moment I get to be with my children is a gift and I don't take it for granted. And, and I really do. Now I live every day like it's my last. I mean, the world is so crazy that we live in right now as it is. You know, and who knows? Like, really, you have to live it up every single day because tomorrow is not guaranteed or, or or promised to be there for anyone. You know, and I think when you've been in bad days and you know it could have been over for you and, and you it's almost like a, a second chance or, you know, whatever. People are going to look at Jeff and go, well, this is his third chance, fourth chance, fifth chance, whatever. Once you once you get the realization of how precious life is. And it is precious, but but it's also so short it's so quick it but it, it is so precious and you have to try and be as present as you can in every single moment and 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 soak up every single moment that you're alive have you spoken to jeff about mark briscoe at all and, and jay briscoe the two of them and the dynamic of what happened there oh yeah whenever i was uh flying to fresno and i was connecting in in phoenix actually I, I dozed off and I think I told this story on the, on the podcast. One of the first text message I read was, was Jeff's, you know, and he just said, Oh my God, did you, you know, I, I remember the, the first three messages that I, I 
very much remember I had several. I dozed off for 45 minutes and I remember seeing my wife who was freaking out and it, it really, I mean, it, it, it shook her quite a bit. My brother, he said, oh, my God, I just heard this about Jay Briscoe. He got killed in this crash. You know, uh, I love you. Please be safe to where you're going. In the Bucks, you know, in the, in the Bucks, they were a couple of the first people who knew. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we, we talked about it. And, I mean, I just I couldn't imagine the, the strength that Mark Briscoe showed to show up that following week and, and just the mentality he he had. You know, obviously, they're very – strong they have strong religious backgrounds very strong you know believers in in god and uh his positivity and i just i'll never forget asking mark briscoe like hey man like him so sorry my condolences how you doing and, he, and his first thing was like not as good as jay you know he's he's up there with god and i was just like oh my god the, the optimism I, I was envious almost i mean the the, the optimism to to be able to to deal with the loss of of a brother, a sibling, a family member like that, it's just like something I, I can't even fathom doing it like that, you know. And and for for me, it would be hard to to do that with with Jeff, with my brother, or my wife, or a kid, someone in my direct family, especially like uh, because you just know you're never going to see that person again. But just the, the the optimism he approached it with, I, I respect and 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 I'm I'm glad it works for him. I'm, I'm just I'm glad it works for him because it's it's a terrible situation to find yourself in. Well, and, you know, you're taking that positive outlook. Like when the news dropped, you tweeted, incredibly proud of my brother for the last nine months. He's worked extraordinarily hard on himself. He's in the best space I've seen him in for decades. I'll always support him, believe in him, and love him. I'm excited for your new lease on life and where it takes you. Do you think in your observations, again, this is just strictly Matt Hardy's opinion, do you think he sees this as a new lease on life that he is lucky to be afforded this opportunity? Cause as I just referenced uh, a, there are people who have been incarcerated for things like this and B, I mean, he got behind the wheel of a vehicle. He could have been very injured in something like that or even worse potentially. So does he view this as a new lease? Absolutely. Yeah. This is a, <clears throat> this is a new chapter in his life yeah. and he absolutely views it like that. He, he absolutely, Use it as he's been. He's been given a reprieve. He's been given another opportunity to to live again, and uh, I I really feel like the space he's in, he's going to make the most of it. Again, guys, this Jeff is not the type where he's going to go out and leave a whole forty five minute video talking about things. That's not Jeff's personality. That's not what I've gotten to know Jeff's personality as. You obviously not know at all. significantly better than I do. Um, he always has an open invitation to chat here with us whenever he wants, but that's just not his prerogative. You know, it's just not who he is. So that's why Matt is taking this opportunity to give his perspective, not to speak for Jeff, but to give his perspective and how he sees it, uh, which I'm appreciative of as someone who's been inherently following this situation for a very long time. I mean, the reality is Matt, this incident that happened with Jeff, it, it threw off a lot of plans for you uh, and things that you had in motion last year and you guys from a business perspective, it affected the podcast at Starcast. We were going to do a live show with the two of you guys and it was going to be the extreme life of the Hardy boys. And we were going to do a whole dual live show about WrestleMania 33. Um, But things changed. How did the nature of the incident affect what you had planned and, and how did you go about coping with that and, seeing those exciting prospects kind of fall off the table for you. 
I, I mean, it, it's frustrating, obviously, but at, at the end of the day, it's it's not of the utmost importance. What was the most important thing is that, you know, we get my brother healthy. Uh, you know, we, we, we figure out how to deal with his problems. That, I mean, that, that was the most important. Yeah, it was obviously frustrating, you know, from a business aspect for me. So once again, I'll, I'll look at this like trying to be optimistic. You know, if uh, things go on, we win the tag titles, we have stuff all throughout the summer, into the fall, whatever. And then just when when that doesn't happen, I'm just kind of like in limbo and, and, and stuck there. So that's where I just try to figure out, like, what can I do? Like, you know, to, to insert myself into some sort of story here on my own, I started – you know, pitching for the reunion of me and private party, because like, once again, I feel like when we first started together, when I was their mentor, even when we first turned Hill, I feel like it was building a lot of momentum until we started building the HFO. And then all these guys came in, which, you know, I, I would have preferred earlier on probably just to, to keep it with me and private party, because I thought we had a lot of momentum together and people like us together. But I was like, well, maybe there's this babyface run, you know, and I can redeem myself. So I started doing that story and it's funny shortly when all this happened, I started posting a thread on my, tw uh, on, on my Twitter page of just like everything I've done career wise till then all the way through. Now it's pretty amazing when you, you go back and look at it, you know, and I'm just saying, you know, I'm upset and I'm taking responsibility for all the bad things I did to the, you know, members of the HFO, the, the Hardy family office. And, you know, I'm ultimately, you know, maybe I shouldn't have had my brother here wrestling in AEW. Maybe it's my fault, whatever. You know, I need to pay my pins so that I can make things right. And, you know, we eventually got to the point where we reunited with Private Party. And then we ended up switching from Andrade into doing something with Ethan Page. And I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm personally very happy. And there's a lot of satisfaction, the story that we've gotten out of this. I mean, we didn't have anything on the table. Uh, and we threw out these creative ideas and we said, let us start doing this. And we started doing our stuff on like, you know, the shows. And then we we got it popular enough where people were behind our story and understood what we were doing. So they had to go back on TV, which is is a big compliment and, and makes me very proud, uh, very proud of the work that myself, Ethan Page and uh, uh, Isaiah have done on this storyline, you know, from from day one. Uh, big shout out to, to, to Quinn, who's at home rehabbing. Hopefully we'll get him back soon, too. You know, and Stokely has been a part of this as well. But I, I'm very proud of where we came. But, you know, one, once again, it just derailed everything <laughs> that was planned for me for months, which is, is very frustrating, you know. But, like, once again, at the end of the day, that may be frustrating, but it's it's not what's most important. What's most important is, is my brother's health and his well-being and just making sure he gets the, the assistance he needs and, uh, and you know, Fortunately, I, I think that's happened. And and once again, uh, I just I, – I don't want people to take my word for it. I want people to just wait and see. And whenever Jeff reemerges wherever, you know, or just follow Jeff Hardy going forward and you, you make the decision yourself. Don't take my word for it. I'm just telling you what, what, what I feel in my gut now, especially just with the amount of work and just the, the openness – the, the openness and transparent transparency he's had because he's never been that type of guy. You, you were talking about this, like why am I here talking about it? I mean, obviously I have a podcast and I feel like most of our viewers, this is big news over the last week. They're going to want to know this. This is current. And, 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 and this is something I'm proud of Jeff. I mean, that, that tweet I made, it's not like some bullshit promotional tweet. Right. Right. And who knows if he comes back to wrestling or not. I, I, I'm legitimately proud of him. You know, so I, I'm going to get on here and, and we're going to have this episode and I'm going to talk about it and I'll try and 
you know, give people a little more context and everything that's going on. Jeff doesn't like social media. You know, he does stuff to like post his art and whatnot. Uh, he, he thinks the world was better before social media. And there's a lot of times I'll agree with him on that too. Uh, I'm the guy that utilizes it. You know, I, it's done so many good things for society and, and for people, especially people that are like indie wrestlers who can, you know, get their name out or, or help, you know, push their character or their story or, or, or be able to network themselves. So someone up the food chain can see them, but social media has done a lot of negative things too. I mean, there's, there's just so much negativity and bullying. And I feel like it kind of establishes a culture of like people say, Oh my God, it's very cathartic to get on here and moan and bitch and complain, you know, just there, 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 there's, there's bad aspects too. As I've said before, and I've, I said it 10 years ago, I know the best thing about social media it gives everyone a voice. Worst thing about social media, it gives everyone a voice. And, uh, no, Jeff, you're not going to see him get out here and explain himself. That's not what he does. You know, uh, I could see him speaking to youth groups or schools or doing this. I could see him doing promotional speaking coming from this. I mean, and that's how that's how Jeff would express himself. And that's how he would tell his story. He doesn't get on here and just talk to the empty screen, although I do have the very handsome John Alba on the other side there, uh, you know, to get in here and just talk to an empty screen where there may be people listening on the other side. That's, that's not what he does. He does stuff in real time, in real life. Tangible ways of helping people. And, and look, I really hope he does. Your brother's very lucky in that he's being afforded this opportunity because there are a lot of people for whatever the circumstance are not afforded that opportunity. And, you know, I know you to be an honest person and I have the benefit of getting to know you at a much more intimate level than most of the wrestling audience does. And mm -hmm. I, I know that you wouldn't say these things if you didn't genuinely believe them. Uh, you know, could could you be wrong and, and could a different path unfold? Of, of course it could. Uh, we're, we're out of we don't we don't control the things that we don't control. Right. We we have no say in those things. Yeah. It's just you hope for the best and you as the older brother, you're doing your best to encourage him onto a path of positivity. And it sounds like the most encouraging part about this. And I was talking to some other people that I know who have struggled with some form of alcoholism or addiction in some sense is that the additional rehabilitation he did where he put himself on that, on his own merit and his own volition. That is a big step for a lot of people from what I've gathered from talking to people that it have is. gone through similar paths, that doing it on your own is a significant indicator that you're serious about trying to create positive change. Mm -hmm. I, I agreed. I, I mean, it, it really is. I want to dig into something that you brought up about the childhood and losing your mother, <clears throat> suppressed trauma from the childhood. Mm -hmm. I've seen this affect family members of mine very tangibly where Back in the 70s, and even for a lot of the 80s, and before that, obviously, it was shake it off, rub some dirt on it, and get out there again. Not taking the proper time to address these traumatic life events that happen to people. And then later in life, having major ramifications, whether it is addiction or alcoholism or being unable to form interpersonal connections with other members of your family, whatever it may be. How much do you think from your experience did suppressed trauma shape the path that both of you 
have traveled? Uh, I, I think it has. Um, once again, I, I mean, I, I think it was a big deal, even from a relationship standpoint for myself and Jeff. Uh, we didn't really understand women, uh, you know, like we were there with our mother as a child, but we never lived with her like as teenagers and were explained like women would like to be treated this way. And this is how you need to make someone feel. I mean, I, I think we were neglected of a lot of that. And as I said earlier, my dad wasn't an emotional person. So, so we didn't get, you know, we, we didn't, we didn't get a lot of emotional growth from him. And, you know, and once again, that's, not a slam on him. It's just, it, it's just the truth is the truth. And that that's just who he was, you know, um, he, he did the best that he, he could for us. I, I think with Jeff, there were just so many questions. I mean, there, there would be point where points in life where Jeff would just say like, you know, I think, you know, my mom is my God. And I mean, he, he would have these, he would, he, he lifted her up, you know, like, Lifted her up on this uh, pedestal. Yeah, I was going for even a bigger word, but lift her up on this pedestal where she's a special being that's in his life that's still with him. And I still do believe that, but I still think a lot of that was just like the trauma of like not understanding why you lose a mom when you're so young. Yeah. You know, why why do you why do you not get to to know her? How old was what, he? What, she he was nine. Yeah, rough. Rough. <clears throat> and uh, he, he just he, he like created her into, into this bigger thing that's just like with him spiritually in some ways. And, and I feel like that was almost like a defense mechanism to stop him from processing why she really passed away. And that's something he carried with him for years. I, I mean, you, you're like into, you know, his 20s and 30s. You know, that that wasn't something that was just when he was a, a kid or a teenager, you know. So so I, I think that was I think I think that had to be a huge issue, you know, and then losing our dad was a, a big deal to him because, like, he says this all the time, like, you know, his dad was his hero because his dad was was there for him. And I sure I'm sure it made him even more of his hero just because he was the guy that was like solely raising both him and I, you know, and. and it's just such a, it's such a tragic, hard process to swallow and, and understand and, and comprehend. And, and, and I think there's times where deep down in Jeff's subconscious, I feel like he just, he, he, he didn't want to have to think about that. He didn't want to process why she was gone. And, and I think that is something deep down inside of him that would trigger his prop, his addiction issues in the beginning. I mean, and once again, I'm not a specialist. I'm just a dumb wrestler, you know, but that's just how it seems to me. That was like a big deal. And, and it's just, it's, it's really hard to process that stuff. And that's something I worked really hard on myself is like learning how to process things when, when they happen and, 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 and being able to understand things to the, to the best of your ability. I, I just feel like the, the trauma of our mother dying, especially so tragically. And she was, such a mess for the last few months of her life uh, was just something that was internally a, a major issue for Jeff that he never was able to properly work through. 
and 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 I don't know. This is none of my business because I've never asked him if they delve super deep into that or what it is. And I'm sure those conversations will come down the road. But I mean that that it's something I'm very curious of. I, I something it's something I'm positive that they discussed, knowing how treatment works. You know, so I, I feel like there's just so so much trauma he has from his childhood that like accentuated the addiction issues. Have you ever had those conversations with him? I have. I have. How, I have. How did those go? Excuse me, what'd you say? How did those go? I, I, I think he was open to it, but he was also kept it in like a closed locked room with inside his soul too. And I don't even just mean that from his perspective. I mean it from yours too as well, because this is equally you addressing those things. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I, I do. I mean, I, I just, when, when I think back about my mom, I, I just, the, the only way I can look at it is that I'm grateful that I had the time that I had with her and I, and I wish she would have been there longer. And then I'm just like overwhelmingly happy that we had our dad for so long that he was 89 and that's one thing I can't stress enough. If, if you have issues with your parents, you might fight, you might argue, you might not be on speaking terms again. Do what you can to try and make that right, because you only have one mom and one dad. And if you can if, if you can try and, 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 and make it work the best you can, it's so important because when they're gone, you don't get any more. And that, that's that's something losing our mom early really instilled in me make 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 things work make those relationships work if you can make them work do everything you can to make them work and i know that's a big part of the reason why you have so much admiration for your wife with what she does with the kids and raising them while you're out on the road i know that's deeply personal to you yes addressing personal trauma is something that's very difficult, whether it can be from a parent or relationship or whatever it may be. It's a deeply intimate process that it requires you to give up the most vulnerable parts of yourself to do. And uh, not everybody is capable of doing it in full. When you found yourself going through some of that stuff with your rehab, I don't know if you've gone through any forms of extended therapy or anything of that nature. How difficult was it for you to address and reach back into those places that maybe you've kind of locked away for a period of time? I, th I think it's hard in the beginning, but it, if you're able ever, if you're, if you're ever able to do it, I feel like you you become confident and it makes it easier going forward from, from that point. And it's just like if, if you gotta get to the point where you, you know who you are, and if you know what you're doing is something you shouldn't be doing, you you're you're aware to stop. Uh and I, I think it's just the initial breaking of the ice, the initial breaking down the walls and, and being vulnerable is, is the first step that this is the most challenging. And if you can do that and really open up and try and delve within yourself and understand why you do what you do, what causes it, what triggers it. And, and, and if, if you can get a hold on that, that's when everything changes. And, and if you can do it for one thing, you can do it for most things. And I feel like that's kind of when you, 
take self-control to another level. And self-control is something that is extremely important in life. And ultimately that's, that's to, to have the self-control you need. I feel like to, to, to live a good, healthy life, you need to be able to unlock those locked vaults within you and, and, and explore them and understand why they were there in the first place. If you can provide some context for those of us who have not been in the day-to-day grind of the wrestling industry, I do feel like some of that has changed where a lot of that stigma has been removed. I know you've mentioned here on the podcast that Tony Khan is very supportive of, hey, if you've got something going on, let's go get it taken care of. But over the years, what kind of stigmas did exist with guys having to bottle things up and just trudge on from town to town? I mean, it was, it was the worst back in the day. I mean, like, obviously in, in wrestling, I mean, there's a lot of things I do, which I feel like sometimes my, my wife doesn't even understand. Like I'll be up and I'll have ice on me or like I'll get up extra ahead of time to make sure that I can go to the gym or stretch and do like, if you want to wrestle, and you, and you want to try and do it the right way. I mean, your your health is paramount. And and you have to take care of your body. You have to keep things strong. And, and the injuries are going to happen. What we do is not natural. Being slammed on wooden steel, you know, multiple times, you know, throughout a week or whatever, regardless of how long you do it, it's just not a natural thing. So your body has to be in a certain condition. And then you have to take care of your body as well. And there's going to be aches and pains. You're going to hurt. But then once again, you have to address it. You have to ice yourself. I like, they thought it was crazy last night. This hotel was almost, uh, you know, this. they said, oh, well, you know, they have a block of AW rooms, obviously. Said, oh, well, we're, we're sold out technically. But, you know, you're this member, you have the highest status. We can't give you this suite or whatever. I said, you have a double. If it has a bathtub, I'm good. I just need a room with a bathtub because I like soak my body. That's a ritual that I do like a, a maniac. I sit in the hot tub every year. I mean, I do these things I have to do because if not, if you're like hurt and you need like a quick fix, then that means like, oh, well, take this. It'll loosen up your body, you know, artificially, you know, this muscle relaxer, this pain pill where you won't feel it and go through. I mean, and that's what guys did back in the day because that was like the culture. And then if people would complain about being hurt or not feeling it mentally, which we call mental health nowadays, you know, they're just like, if you don't do it, you're weak. So go do it. Rub some dirt on and go do it. You're weak which is just like an unhealthy mentality. And once again, that's not delving into your body and unlocking those vaults that are containing issues. And you're only adding on to it, making it worse. And that's how, that's how addiction issues start more than, more than any other way. You know, when people have something that is locked within them that they haven't addressed and and haven't done, and and they they don't want to feel the pain, they don't want to hurt. They want to be taken away. They want to be altered in another state where, where it doesn't hurt anymore. And that's why a lot of people, you know, end up being in the throes of addiction. And it's especially worse in pro wrestling because we are literally hurting ourselves every single time we do our profession. You are literally hurting yourself. You know, it, that, that's, that's the reality of it. I guess I just asked that question because if you have an addictive personality, being in an insulated bubble environment where you're constantly surrounded by people saying these things to you, I would imagine probably fuels those addictions even further. And it's part of the reason that I would suspect we've seen 
what has happened with Jeff happened multiple times. Um, we did say that from your standard, AEW has encouraged a much more positive environment in that result, in that regard, rather. But we still did see what happened happen with Jeff in AEW. Um, how has that environment been uh, in regards to Jeff, AEW I'm referring to specifically, and if he were to come back into a wrestling environment, what can be done to make sure that people like Jeff don't fall back into those bad habits in that sense, based solely on their environment? I mean, once again, Jeff, Jeff came into this stuff with baggage and like this, this in no way, shape or form was AEW's fault. You know, I, I'll say that right, right here now. I mean, that, that morning when Jeff got into the car and he started driving and he was altered and not it was irresponsible, no excuses, uh, inexplicable. It should never have happened. There's there's no explaining it. There's no justifying it. And he, he would say that as well. And even people would say like, well, you know, he goes out and he did these matches and he hurt himself, whatever. I mean, once again, I think Jeff, if he was right here right now, he'd say, no, it wasn't anybody's fault except myself. He would own it and he would be accountable. And, and I think you just have to make the smartest decision that you can for you. And depending where you're at, as far as your body, what your body feels like, you know, like people are out there, you know, I'm, I'm going to say this right, right here and right now too. Like I go out, I kind of have a style that I wrestle now after I went through my issues and I came back and worked ring of honor and went to impact and did broken Matt Hardy, you know, the people might say, well, Matt Hardy's boring. He doesn't do everything they used to do. Yes. Because I work in a way that I can stay healthy and maintain a normal life. And that's why I do it. And if you're not entertained by it, I'm sorry. I'm sorry it's not for you. But there are plenty of people that are. I mean, when I come out at the venue each each week, I mean, people people dig it. And it is what it is. You know, and 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 that's once again me taking on the role of being smart, me taking on the role of being responsible and working in a certain way that I need to work so that I can continue to work and so that I'm not in pain, so that I don't have issues. And then when I come back. You know, I'm still beat up as it is anyway. I'm going to put ice on or I'm going to soak in my bath or I'm going to do this. And you can best believe I'm going to be up, you know, first thing in the morning to make sure I get in 30 minutes of cardio and get my stretching or whatever it may be. I'm, I'm going to be doing that. Uh, no, no, thank you. I'm good. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Do not disturb on the door and they just keep knocking. That, that knocking. Is, that's a future mad fact right there because that happens all the time. I throw do not disturb up there. And then what happens? I get disturbed. Some Larry David shit right there. But you're right. And everything you're saying tracks on that. So I guess to follow up on that, Matt, if Jeff were to return to wrestling, which again, as we tape this, we have no idea what's going to happen. We right. genuinely don't. And if, if it's in a good scenario where everyone feels comfortable doing it, maybe it happens. If not, no one's going to force it to happen. But if he does return, would you advise him to maybe adapt that style a little bit and, and not be the insane stunt man 24 seven that we've known Jeff Hardy to be? Yes. Would you have that conversation with him? Yes. I mean, I already have, I've had it with him throughout the years. Whenever, whenever I wanted him to become brother Nero in the beginning, it, it was the, I was having that conversation with him then. You said you that know? was the genesis of the spot monkey stuff. But yeah, that was totally the genesis. I mean, that's why I said he can no longer jump off the top rope because it's like, dude, you're Jeff Hardy. You're 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 a rock star. People want to see you. They they want to see Jeff Hardy. I, I know you feel so committed and so passionate that you you want to give them a, 
whisper in the wind and a swanton every single night, you know, and yeah, you can do those things when the time is right, whatever, you know, but just like pick and choose, man, pick your battles, like be smart, you know, because you're not just Jeff Hardy, the wrestler anymore. You're Jeff Hardy, the father, you're Jeff Hardy, the husband, you're Jeff Hardy, the family man. You know, you, you have, you have to think about that too. It's, it's a, it's, it's a very tricky, you know, scale and, and, and you have to find the correct balance for you. All right, Matt Hardy, I want to pause for just one quick second here because I have some breaking news on the podcast. This is a public service announcement for all who will hear it. Manscaped now has beard products and a brand new nose and ear hair trimmer. Yes, I know. We're talking about the leaders and below the waist grooming, but they're traveling north of your South Pole with their revolutionary Beard Hedger Pro Kit Plus. They've now launched the brand new Weed Whacker 2.0, the Whacker of Weeds 2.0, which confirms they have all the best tools for your hygiene toolbox. So right now, it's time for you to upgrade your toolbox by going to manscaped.com and using our exclusive code HARDY for 20% off plus free shipping. I've been talking about this Beard Hedger for a hot second now because the Beard Hedger Pro Kit is changing the way I keep my luscious facial hair groomed and looking nice because it's the ultimate package that makes it easier than ever to craft that signature look. It all starts with the Beard Hedger, and this thing is elite, all elite, some may even say. The Beard Hedger is tough on hair but smooth on your face, and I'm very sensitive. You all know that. This leads to a single-stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. It's waterproof, it's cordless, and it has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 haircutting lengths all with one guard. So there's no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. And I gotta tell you all about the new Whacker of Weeds 2.0. It offers improved blades and skin-safe technology with a no-tugging guarantee. It's never been so painless to mine your manholes. Listen, Matt Hardy's gotta go on television every single week you can't get a weird shot from the hard cam looking up at his nostrils they got to look good and now matt hardy is doing so with the help of manscaped and we want to help you look good as well so get 20 percent off and free shipping with our code hardy at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use our code hardy always use the right tools for the job with manscaped there's a lot we were able to dig into here, Matt. Is there anything else that you'd like to put out there uh, on either behalf of your brother or speaking about your brother, whatever it may be? Once again, I, I certainly am not speaking for my brother, as we've already said several times throughout this. Uh, but but I'm, I'm glad we did this today, and I'm glad we're giving people an update in general. And, and I am legitimately proud of my brother. And uh, I'm very excited to see what his future holds. And I'm, I'm very happy to see him so positive. And it's strange in some ways seeing him so different. Uh, he just has a, a different mentality. Uh, he's approaching things very differently. And, you know, what, whatever ultimately he decides to do going forward, I will support him in any direction he goes in. And I, and I, and I love him. And I'm happy I have him. You know, he's been through a lot of shit. I have too. We're lucky we're here for one another. And uh, I will cherish him every day that I have him on the same physical plane known as Earth. And I'm happy he's still here with me. And I'm happy that he is self-professed in a good space. 
and and and, and I, I feel very confident about his future. And that's what's most important. Whether we see Jeff Hardy in a wrestling ring ever again, it's that he's set up to have the best future possible for Jeff Hardy and for his wife and for his children and for you and your family. So they have T.O. around. I know that's very important yes. for your kids. I know your kids love Jeff Hardy. And, they do. And I know that having them around him is important for you as, as his brother. So I hope Nothing but the best. Again, guys, this episode was not done to mediate Jeff Hardy or to rehabilitate Jeff Hardy in the public eye. This was Matt wanting to take time and talk about this. These very real things that both Matt and evidently Jeff recognize is a very serious situation. And I hope that everyone takes something away from this podcast and listens to the entire thing in context. And because uh, Matt gave a lot of good stuff here. And I appreciate you, as always, man, being super vulnerable. I know the fans appreciate that. These these episodes that we do where we talk about life, these these are my favorite episodes to do, even if they're a little heavy at times. They are my favorite to do. So I'm appreciative of you, man. Thank you for opening up about that stuff. Thanks, John. Of course. Now, next week, uh, we, we got a few options on the table for our episode next week. So stay tuned because um, I'm going to pitch some to you afterwards. But... Uh, I'm, I'm just having such a great time here going through your career every single week on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Make sure you're subscribed, guys, ExtremeHardy.com. And we also want you to get in on part of the fun. If you are a business or if you are a product that would like to get your word heard in front of thousands and thousands of viewers and listeners every single week, head to AdvertiseWithHardy.com. And find out more information about how we can get your product out there in front of you here. A shill for HelloFresh and AG1s and Manscaped. We want to include you as well. Advertise with Hardy.com. Alongside AdFreeShows.com where Matt and I are dropping that great content. Exclusive and early access. Alongside premium events like the TLC2 Watch Along that we're doing this week. And if they love the extreme life of Matt Hardy, where can they uh, leave that five-star review, Matt Hardy? Uh, they can leave it on Twitter. They can leave it on Instagram. They can uh, leave it wherever they would like. I would love for them to leave it on, uh, you know, on our Apple podcast, on our Spotify, leave it on our YouTube, whatever it may be. But leave us that five, Cinco, five, Cinco star review. We really appreciate all you guys tuning in every single week to the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Anything else you'd like to add, my friend? No, I just, uh, once again, I appreciate you guys for uh, sitting down and spending time with myself and John as, as we, we talk about different subjects week in and week out. And uh, these are also my favorite episodes as well. It's just it's very real. It's it's very much life. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of the process behind life anyway. It's just so detailed, so, so, uh, so amazingly vast you know but also so simple in so many ways i really enjoy discussing the ins and outs of life and thank you guys for for sitting around and hanging out with us and listen listening to me uh talk about my brother jeff hardy brother nero brother nero best wishes to jeff sending him positive thoughts on his road to recovery here the words have been spoken we'll see you next time right here on the extreme life of matt hardy
All right, by now, guys, you know, I love talking about old wrestling. What you might not know is it's not my real passion. My real passion is helping people save money. My real passion is getting families out of apartments and into houses. My real passion is getting people's finances aligned so they can retire on time. I hated going to Walmart and seeing the greeter being 80 years old. She should not be working. She should be home. Why is she still working? Because she still has a mortgage. I want to help avoid that for you. The other thing I want to help you with, let's make sure your kids don't get saddled with student loans. If you've got a student loan, why did you get one? Maybe because your parents still had a mortgage. I'm not saying that to be funny. I'm being sincere. There's only so much money to go around. What I want to help you do is figure out where you are right now and where you want to be long-term. And I do it at SaveWithConrad.com. I've been doing mortgages for more than 20 years. And during all that time, we've helped tens of thousands of families change their life. I mean, routinely, we're helping our podcast listeners save five, six, seven, eight hundred bucks a month, but more importantly, get them out of debt faster and with cheaper monthly payments. But if you don't think it can happen for you, let me just tell you this. We are not the bank. We don't say no. We say not yet, but here's how. We're going to get you a game plan on how to improve your credit, how to save a little bit of cash and how to get into that dream house. Maybe you're already in the house, but it would be nice if someday we could put a pool in the back or one day we want to upgrade the hardwood floors or remodel the kitchen or get a badass master bathroom. I can help you do all of that with no money out of pocket right now at SaveWithConrad.com. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And if we can't help you save some cash, we won't waste your time. Check it out. SaveWithConrad.com, NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And hey, y'all, don't take my word for it. Check us out. We've got an A-plus with the Better Business Bureau. And as if that's not enough, go look at our reviews. Read them and weep, haters. ConradReviews.com. You'll see more than a thousand five-star reviews. Our average review is 4.72 stars. Find out how much money you can save. Take control of your life in 2023 by taking control of your finances. We're going to show you how to keep more of your own money. If you've got credit card debt, what are you paying on that? 14%, 28%, you know you can do better. With the mortgage though, you may not know this, the interest you pay is tax deductible. And we can even show you how to skip your next two house payments. So if you can get a lower monthly payment, pay your debt off faster, get a greater tax deduction at the end of the year. And right now, right after the holidays, skip your next two payments. Buddy, this is the biggest no brainer in the history of the world. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at savewithconrad.com. Or hey man, shoot me an email directly, conrad at savewithconrad.com.